The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you, as we do week by week, to be here with us this morning. And we trust that you have kept your promise and are here. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. The eight verses that we read from Genesis chapter 3 this morning, verses 8 to 15, just these short eight verses are, in a really condensed form, I believe, the whole story of sin and redemption. In one way, of course, it's only the very beginning of the story. After all, we are only three chapters into the Bible, and we're about a thousand pages before Jesus' arrival. But in another way, it is the whole story, beginning to end. And what I want to do this morning is to tell that story. Now, it begins in a dangerous place. Uh, The story begins with shame. Adam and Eve hear God walking in the garden, and they hid because they were ashamed. I was naked. Shame, of course, is a dangerous thing to talk about. A little while ago, a few weeks ago, I found myself in a conversation with a group of people, and I found the group starting to talk about our greatest shames. And I warn you, if you find yourself in a conversation like this, get out immediately. No good can come of it. But anyway, I found myself in this group thinking about my greatest shame, and the memory that I flashed back to was of an elementary school spelling bee. Now, I'm sure I've had greater shames, but this is the one that popped into my mind at the moment. I don't remember exactly how old I was. I think fourth, fifth, or sixth grade, perhaps. And my teacher asked me to be in the spelling bee. I guess I was a good speller. Uh, My mom was a professional editor who would make us write essays about our summer vacation trips to Civil War battlefields. And then, yes, she would edit them. So, okay, I was a good speller. But I did not want to be in the school spelling bee. I had this speech impediment, and the idea of standing up in front of people and saying anything out loud, despite what I may or may not be doing right now, was just completely impossible for me to fathom. There was no way I could do it. And so I did what any modern kid would do. I made them change the rules for me. (laughs) Now remember, I'm not proud of this. This is a story about shame. But I told my teacher that the only way I would be in the spelling bee is if I was allowed to write out the word on a card and show it to the judges rather than having to speak the words out loud. I know, right? Totally not fair. But they let me do it. And then the exact thing that you would think would happen, happened. After making this big stink and forcing them to change the rules just for me, I was eliminated on the very first word. (laughs) 
And yes, before you ask, of course I remember what the word was, bureau. So there I was, having called all this attention to myself, all this special treatment, and then boom, eliminated on the very first word. And I felt at that moment ashamed. I felt what everyone feels, that awful feeling when you feel revealed, exposed. And I bet that as I was telling that story, you yourself were flashing back to a moment of shame in your own life. And underneath the feeling that you felt, there was that truth. You felt revealed, exposed. I was revealed to be a self-centered stutterer who wasn't even actually all that smart. I don't know what you were revealed to be in your moment of shame, but it was no less painful. The truth about you was revealed. You were exposed, and you thought you would never recover. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I was naked, exposed, and I hid myself. Now, my spelling bee story is a safe story of shame, appropriate to tell in a church, but it doesn't scratch the surface of our human experiences with real shame. I heard a talk Uh, recently at a conference by a truck driver named Chad Bird. I think he'd want to be identified as a truck driver. That is, in fact, his job. But he's also a former pastor and seminary professor and prolific writer and speaker. And this talk was incredibly moving. And in it, he asked us listeners to consider what would happen if a preacher told you that next Sunday he wants you to wear something to church that actually represents how you see yourself. Wear something to church next week that actually represents how you really see yourself. What if a preacher said that? And what if people actually did it? What would we see? We might call these our honest clothes. People dressed as they actually see themselves if people showed themselves. Chad suggested that we might see a college sophomore dressed like a call girl. The the boys at her school only seem to look at her for her body. And so that's how she started to see herself. We might see a 41-year-old man wearing a shirt two sizes too small because that's the shirt he was wearing the night 20 years ago when he drove drunk and killed two people with his car. He sees himself as a murderer and can't get over it. We might see 
a 33-year-old woman with a t-shirt that says human garbage on the back. She's a few marriages in, and her current husband cares more about his poker buddies than he cares about her. She sees herself as having no value at all. What about you, Chad asked us. What would you wear if you wore clothes that actually represented how you see yourself? For me, I was thinking it might be a clerical collar with big block letters written in Sharpie, unworthy and in over my head. What would you wear if you wore something that actually represented how you see yourself? Now, of course, we don't do this. We don't wear our honest clothes. We don't wear our shame on the outside. We keep it tucked away deep inside. We don't want to be revealed. We're like Adam and Eve, hiding in the garden, stitching together fig leaves to hide ourselves when we hear God coming. This is how our story starts, with shame. We hear God walking in the garden, and we are ashamed. And so we try to cover up. We try to make ourselves presentable. We, so sure are we that we're going to be judged on our qualities, the qualities that we fear are sorely lacking, that we hide. The Lord calls out to Adam and Eve in the garden, where are you? Adam says, I heard you coming, and I was afraid. I was naked. I hid myself. And God says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And of course, the answer is yes. We did the one thing you asked us not to do. Adam and Eve have broken the one law that God gave them, and so have we. We confess it every week. We have done the things we ought not to have done. We have not done the things we ought to have done. Disobedience like this leads inexorably to fear and shame when we hear God, Almighty God, walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. I was afraid. I was ashamed. Think again about your greatest shame. Sure, you felt revealed, you felt exposed, but it was a little bit more than that even. You felt revealed to be less than you hoped you were, to be less than you were trying to be. At the spelling bee, I was revealed to be less smart and more self-centered than I hoped I was. Shame always has to do with failing to live up to some standard. And when we are publicly shown to have fallen short, we feel ashamed. And that's how Adam and Eve felt. They'd been given a law, don't eat the fruit of this one tree, and they'd broken it. And of course, breaking the law has consequences. We hear God pronounce the consequences of their law-breaking. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be toward your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, 
because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. (sighs) Pain. Struggle. And death. These are the consequences. But they are not the end of Adam and Eve's story. Here's where, thank God, we make our turn into the second part of our story. It starts with shame, but it doesn't end there. Adam and Eve's shame and the consequences of their actions are not the end of their story. Their having been revealed is not the end of their story. And if you are like them, and we are like them, if you hear God walking in the garden and feel ashamed, whether you've been a Christian for your entire life, or if this morning is the first time you've ever heard anyone say, I have good news about God to tell you, well, I have good news about God to tell you. And here it is. You don't need to be ashamed. That awful, shameful feeling of being revealed is not the end of your story. And the consequences of your actions are not the end of your story either. Because Jesus is your Savior. Even all the way back here in Genesis chapter 3. Even as God is in the midst of pronouncing these judgments on Adam and Eve, these penalties for breaking the law, he shows them that there is good news. Listen to Genesis chapter 3 verses 14 and 15 which are in our reading, which is when God curses the serpent. Here's what he says to the serpent. Because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. That's a pretty uneven fight, right? You will strike his heel. He will strike your head. In another translation, it says that the offspring of the woman will crush the serpent's head. God is here talking about his own incarnate son who will be born of a woman winning the fight with the serpent once and for all. Sure, the serpent gets in a few nips at our heels. Yes, we will be revealed as sinners. But Christ will ultimately and forever crush the serpent's head. Jesus wins. The serpent spends his days whispering in your ear, God is coming, and you're naked. You should be ashamed. You've done things you shouldn't have done, and you haven't done the things you should have done. 
You're a call girl. You're a killer. You're human garbage. You're unworthy and in over your head. But there is good news. God has shut the serpent's mouth. And better, the serpent's head has been crushed by Christ. The fight is over. Jesus has won. We sinners have been redeemed by his blood and are now clothed by his righteousness. On account of Christ's sacrifice for us and his gift of righteousness in exchange for our sinfulness, we now get the acceptance that Christ earned. And the voice from heaven at Jesus' baptism now speaks to you. You are my child, my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And with that, we can change forever the honest outfit that we would wear to church. No more call girls or bloody t-shirts or human garbage. Now, on account of Christ, we wear shining robes forever washed white in the blood of the Lamb. Amen.